From technology to cars to movies to sports and many more, we present a brand new refreshing podcast, Navigate the Future with Nalay Mishra. This young man will be your Google Maps to help you navigate the future. Enjoy this bi-weekly podcast, Navigate the Future with Nalay Mishra. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, Navigate the Future with Nalay Mishra. Hello, audience. I would like to start by saying that the topic of artificial intelligence is so broad and so vast that I could spend three episodes talking about it. So I'll try to give you as much of an overview of artificial intelligence that I can in this episode. I have an exciting guest today. It's my honor to have Indrajit Podar as my guest today. Indrajit is leading expert on artificial intelligence and has over two decades of technology expertise. Indrajit is leading IBM Watson Machine Learning Accelerator engineering squads in IBM Cognitive Systems. Working on hardware, accelerated scalable enterprise software built on open source for deep learning and machine learning. Indrajit is also an IBM master inventor with three IBM Outstanding Technical Achievement Awards. Please join me in welcoming Indrajit Podar to this episode. Indrajit, we've all heard about artificial intelligence a lot. Could you please tell our audience what the real deal is and what really is artificial intelligence? Sure. So, first of all, Nilay, thank you very much for doing this. I'm very pleased to see that you guys are... You know, at, at such a young age, you're interested about artificial intelligence and you want to learn more about it and want to see what it can do for you starting right now. And, um, yeah, I'm very happy to talk to you about it. And my impression of artificial intelligence and my opinions about what this uh, area of um, technology can do. Um, so let me start by first um, sort of identifying where uh, I feel artificial intelligence all got started. You know, I think uh, we have to first um, narrow it down to what it really is. And uh, the thing that comes to my mind is the ability to make predictions. And that's where I think all of this got started. So back in, let's say, I don't know, 1700s, um, I recall that that was just the beginning of uh, the Renaissance, and we had uh, you know great physicists like Isaac Newton yeah. coming up with these uh, laws of physics, and there were great astronomers uh, like Kepler and Edmund Halley, and all these people, and that was I think the beginning of um, the power of making predictions, and 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 so one example that comes to mind is the comet, you know, the Halley's comet. So when uh, Newton came up with his laws governing, his new um, laws of physics governing the, the motion of these celestial bodies, um, nobody at that time really knew that these things which would come up, show up in the sky as these streaks of you know, objects flying through the sky, that those things were really comets and they, they were following a certain trajectory around the sun and, and you could predict when those things would show up again. And people, and because there was such a lack of knowledge, people would 
assume that these things that showed up in the sky were ominous signs and that they would bring some sort of, uh, you know, bad news and bring diseases and whatnot. And people were afraid of that lack of knowledge. And, and so what happened around that time was that because of these observations and the data that these early physicists were trying to gather and the way they were um, trying to apply mathematical models to those data with these new laws that, um, that Newton had identified, they were able to make a prediction. And they were able to, uh, so in particular, Edmund Haley was the first to make a prediction that at this point, at this year, uh, this comet would show up again in the sky, in this part of the sky. And, uh, and, but before he could actually verify that his prediction would be true, he, ha he, he died. But his prediction was, you know, uh, observed, and, and people found that to be true, and they were very, you know, inspired and awestruck by that ability to make a prediction. And I think because of that power of making a prediction, um, a lot of people started believing in this ability of uh, these scientific techniques and methods, and that, you know, started this whole industrial revolution and, and started all of this, you know, scientific and uh, physics discoveries, which all, you know, led to you know, one thing after the, the, uh, another. And, you know, we had Albert Einstein come up with all these uh, theories of relativity and all of that. And so these sorts of mathematical uh, improvements, I think, was the, the foundation of artificial intelligence. And, and the term that we hear today and that we get so excited about today, I think, uh, lends some of its origins all the way to that kind of um, ability to predict. And so um, why we feel that it's a big deal at the moment today is that we are again in an era where we are able to see the, the power of making predictions. And, and we're seeing that all around us every day. For example, when you uh, look at, uh, for instance, um, you, know, you upload a, a picture into Facebook, and you certainly see these squares around faces. So somebody somewhere is making a prediction that that you know those bit of pixels around in that uh, you know part of the picture is actually a human face. And what's more, they can even identify who that face belongs to. So that is also a prediction. And that prediction is not being made by humans working on mathematical models, but instead they're being made by computers working on data and doing that at very fast speed. And, and that is what is exciting about artificial intelligence today, that now we have these in, impressive computer models uh, computing power, and we have these uh, very uh, well-developed you know, theoretical algorithms and, and mathematics which can create these models based on which we can make those predictions. And there's very interesting applications yeah. where we we can apply those predictions, and you know we can get business value. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I agree. Artificial intelligence is uh, basically analyzing the data, and uh, the amount of processing power that we have now to analyze data, the possibilities are definitely endless. That is true. So second question: Why do we need artificial intelligence? Yeah, so that's it's also such a fundamental, thought-provoking question, Nila. I'm very impressed that you came up with these questions. So um, here's my take on it. Um, you know, we always uh, have we've known that knowledge is power, right? And 
And we have seen cases of that all throughout human history. I, I, what came to my mind very uh, interestingly, you know, uh, I'm sure you've read uh, comic books Tintin, right? And uh, I yeah. remember there's one particular comic book where uh, in an episode Tintin was captured by some, uh, you know, tribe uh, of... Uh, um, you know, uh, people who are not very civilized and they didn't know about eclipses, right? And so, uh, and Tintin had read somewhere that there was supposed to be an eclipse coming like the next day. And that was his prediction because, uh, not his prediction, but somebody made the prediction and he knew that prediction and uh, he had that knowledge of that prediction. But that tribe who had captured him didn't know that. And so what Tintin did, I remember, was that he, you know, he made that prediction that there was going to be an eclipse and these people who were uh, not so knowledgeable, you know, they saw the, you know, the sun suddenly becoming dark, and they were very impressed that Tintin could actually, you know, make that prediction. And they might have even thought that Tintin himself made the sun go dark. <laughs> and so that knowledge was power, right? And they suddenly started believing that Tintin is God. And so, uh, you know, I think artificial intelligence and its ability to make predictions is uh, very important and it, it, is, uh, it makes us more powerful as human beings, as, as the human civilization. And uh, even uh, if you don't want to think about it in such grand philosophical term, you might also think about it in, in a sense that you know, there are many practical everyday life problems where if you had the ability to make a prediction, then you know, that prediction can be turned into money. It could, it could generate uh, business. And that's why I think we need to think about artificial intelligence. Yeah. Uh, people also need artificial intelligence. And as you said, businesses also need artificial intelligence. They're using, uh, they're analyzing data and making lots and lots of money. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you have seen cases, right? Like, for example, um, uh, I mean, these new companies, new edge internet companies come to mind, like Google is making uh, a ton of money uh, predicting uh, human, uh, you know, just predicting what you are trying to search when you enter a few words. They're predicting your intention, like how, what are you searching for? And just by being able to predict what you're searching for and they're doing a more effective search and they're bringing the search results that are most relevant to your uh, search query to you. And uh, that's very, uh, you know, useful at a personal level. So, yeah. Yeah, that's very, very impressive. So at a personal level, very curious to know why you chose this specific field to work on. Ah, okay. So that's also, again, a very interesting question. Um, again, I don't think I sort of chose this field myself. I, I, I kind of feel like it just came about, you know, in the beginning, you know, like I've been in the industry for about 20 years. I've been, you know, working for IBM, uh, working on computer science and computer systems, and um, before I joined the industry, I, when I started out from high school, uh, just maybe a little bit older than what you are right now, at that time, you know, I was very impressed by how computers can um, analyze or understand what is in a picture. I mean, of course, you can you know, write text to a computer and the computer can understand uh, in some manner, you know, whether it's number or a text or, or a character, things which is sort of simple nowadays. But imagine feeding a whole picture or a whole video to a computer and the computer is able to make a prediction on what is in that video or what's in that uh, a picture. And that sort of really 
you know, piqued my interest when I was uh, at, at my high school, finishing up high school, going to my college to study computer science. Uh, and, uh, you know, at that time, I took a few courses on computer vision, and we learned about how these uh, video signals and audio signals and, you know, things which are which come naturally to us as humans, as, you know, as human beings, when we see a picture, when we see a video, when we hear audio, we can understand what is being, you know, fed to us. But uh, for a computer to do that, that was uh, a very, you know, remarkable thing. And uh, I got started by taking courses in computer vision to understand what was possible at that time, 20 years ago. And then I took um, more courses at my pa master's level. I took my whole research thesis was based on <coughs> um, multimodal audio and video recognition. And that means, like, let's say you're uh, being fed from video data, some audio data, and, uh, you know, let's say you're, you're a human being pointing at a, at a picture and saying, this is a box. And, and for the computer to understand that, you know, they have, you have to not only process the video, understand that there is a pointing gesture, and you have to also, um, you know, process the audio as a computer and be able to say that the, uh, the word this is being spoken. So then you have to understand that, oh, this, there's a person making a gesture uh, and is pointing at this object, and then you make that understanding. That's uh... So I agree with those gestures. It's so much, um, it's, it's much more complex than people think yeah. uh, for recognizing gestures yeah. as a yeah. computer. I mean, right. people might think it's a simple code, but yeah. it's so complicated. Yes. You can't imagine the kinds of things that the human brain is capable of, and uh, you try to trying to make a computer do that thing. It's it's incredibly complex. So just understanding words that are coming from my mouth, that's something that you know we do every day. Yeah. But just making a computer do that that is not an easy task. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so much. We would think it's easy because we do it every single day. We do it every single minute yes but having a computer do even once is so complicated yes that's right and that just shows the power of the brain so with that we'll take a short break you're listening to navigate the future with nalai misha don't go anywhere because when we come back we'll continue this conversation with Indrajit on artificial intelligence Welcome back. We're talking to Indrajit, who is a leading expert on AI. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Thanks, Nile. So, Indrajit, I'm curious to know what can artificial intelligence even help students like me? Ah, okay. Yes, and you know, I've been thinking about it. I think that's a great question again. So, uh, you're in what, uh, f uh, seventh grade now? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, seventh grade. So, imagine. Um, I, you know, one particular thing that comes to my mind is um, uh, your homework. I mean, have you ever thought about when you uh, write, uh, you know, these answers to questions in your homework, uh, who gets to evaluate your homework and, and how much effort that person has to put in? Yeah, you know, I mean, teachers have to put in so much effort just to grade, like, because if you have one worksheet, then the, you have to grade, like, 26 of them because it's the yeah, whole class. it's the whole class. And that's a lot of work, right, for one person. And uh, so you have to thank your teacher, and you have to um, also think about, like, uh, ways that you might be able to possibly help your teacher. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing that comes to my mind is that now there are some services that are available online which can 
uh, you know, which can, uh, if you give it some answers in text, it can evaluate like the style of the prose. It can evaluate um, the the correctness of the sentence. Those are you know more than just what spell checkers or sentence checkers can do. There are things that computers can do with artificial intelligence, which um, you know mimic like uh, you know capabilities like debaters. Like nowadays, uh, you know IBM has come up with a service, uh, not a service, but it's a, a recently won a, a competition with a, 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 a program called Jeopardy, where you know there were contestants who were being asked uh, these questions about uh, uh, with hints, you know, and and the, and the hints were not necessarily easy to understand as human being, and, and now computers are able to, you know, use their knowledge base to give very intelligent answers to questions which are, you know, not necessarily easy to understand even as humans. They're very contextual and they're very argument driven, and so computers can debate. Computers can, you know. Uh, play games like Jeopardy, and so <laughs> even for your homework, uh, you can you give your homework to uh, a computer service and can evaluate uh, how effect, how good your answer is and whether it is correct or not. So those are things that I think, as a student, you might be able to take advantage of uh, from AI techniques. I mean, if you if a uh, computer is able to uh, grade homework, let's say that's mm. my, that's a lot of work for teachers anyway. Like grading homework, grading tests, mm -hmm. basically just grading. Mm -hmm. If a computer is able to have the enough power in programming to be able to grade things, then that'll be so much easier on teachers. And then, if they're if the students find out about, it, they can educate um, them on like the artificial intelligence. The, like the the way that the computer could it, do that is task. Doing this, yes. Yeah. And that is interesting as a as a student as well, because then that will make you interested about, um, uh, you know, trying out these artificial intelligence techniques on newer areas like you as a student can find out oh if this computer is capable of doing this is it going to be capable of doing uh, some other intelligent task which could then prove valuable you know for anybody yeah that would be uh so much easier if they can grade it and then you can educate uh kids on the artificial intelligence and how it's working mm -hmm. and they could be more interested mm -hmm. and they, we could have more people taking computer science in yeah high school and yeah, college yeah. So that would be, be pretty amazing. Yep. So as someone working on AI for IBM, what is IBM doing on AI? Oh, okay, that's a very, very good question again. Um, so I have been an IBM employee for about 20 years. Uh, no, I think it was 17 years. And, um, you know, these are my personal views, not necessarily representative of what IBM's views are uh, or strategies or, or you know, uh, roadmaps, et cetera. Um, so in my personal view, IBM has been... Um, in the forefront of AI right from the beginning, you know, like, so uh, things that come to my mind are, like, for example, in the 1968 movie, uh, the 2001, A Space Odyssey. So think about 1968. I mean, at that time, there, hardly, there were no computers at that yeah, time, Yeah, right? there are none. <laughs> but at that time, there were, uh, people were thinking about building machines which would become the computers of today. And they were inspired again, by this, uh, uh, this notion of building a super intelligent computer that could, you know, be more intelligent than us. Of course, at that time, for the fantasy, and that's why you had these science fiction movies. Uh, but, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey in particular, it had uh, this computer called HAL. And uh, HAL 
was a, you know, a, a very intelligent computer, but ultimately it went rogue in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do in movies. Every time there's artificial intelligence, they make the computer seem like, oh, no, what am I doing? And they make it go rogue. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, thankfully they're not that smart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but in that movie... Uh, and I, I've been told that, that that movie was inspired by what IBM was doing at that time with, you know, speech and all of that uh, technology. And so IBM has been, you know, all from the beginning in the space of uh, building artificial intelligent computers. Um, and after that, there has been many instances of uh, things that, you know, where IBM has shown the capabilities of what computers can do. For example, um, there was a, a chess championship with Gary Kasparov, the leading chess champion at that time. Okay. And, and IBM built a system and a program which could beat Gary Kasparov at chess. And uh, then lately, very recently, IBM was again uh, you know, in the forefront of uh, uh, how uh, a computer could be smarter than a human being in playing the game of Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. which is a very you know intelligent task because uh, the questions are not direct i mean they're no yeah. the, it's the answer is contextual you have to understand what the question is first before you can give the answer and then again very recently uh, project debater another service from ibm it, it beat the uh, world's leading debater <laughs> on wow. a debate championship so can now apparently uh, the artificial artificial intelligence is now going to beat like everyone in every sport well, see, that's where I, I feel there's a little bit of a challenge. I mean, if you think that artificial intelligence is so much capable already that it can, you know, drive cars by itself completely, by itself, autonomously, it's not there yet. But, uh, you know, it can still do many tasks which previously were impossible to do by, by a machine, by, by a computer. It's getting a lot, lot better. Uh, but it's not like uh, super intelligent yeah. yet, like the HAL computer. <laughs> yeah. So, what are your thoughts on the future of artificial intelligence? Um, so, you know, uh, the future is something again, which uh, I think the question that you're asking is uh, is a prediction by itself. So yeah. You, so in That's a way, basically artificial <laughs> intelligence. You're basically asking me to predict the future, <laughs> and I wish I had a very super intelligent, uh, you know, artificially intelligent computer that. You could have asked an artificial intelligence computer what the future of artificial intelligence yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. See, it's like a thing asking a question about change it. Reaction, so, yeah. Change reaction. Yeah, yeah. So well, you know, we can't really predict the future <laughs> but but here's what we can do so what what we have seen so far is that uh, you know right now computers have become so much capable that it can they can uh, process a vast amounts of data and do a lot of computations in a very short amount of time and because of those uh, you know improvements in the basic computing capabilities in the systems and the uh, and the technology and the, and the mathematics behind uh, all of the um, artificial intelligence uh, methods, uh, we are at a point where we can make uh, small predictions. Like, for example, if you, and we can do it very efficiently at a very large scale with a lot of data. And that's what the power of artificial intelligence is right now. And in the immediate future, what I see is that there'll be lots of. Uh, more areas where we will be able to apply artificially intelligent techniques. Like, for example, we have applications today in medicine. We have applications in, um, in um, I don't know, I talked about grading homeworks. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, speech recognition techniques. We have uh, uh, 
um, artificial intelligence in predicting our uh, behavior in terms of buying things. That's what Google and Amazon do. Yeah. Uh, in Netflix, when you want to watch a movie and you don't know what you want to watch, the, the, the system can predict what you would like to watch. And, yeah. and since those kinds of prediction techniques are already there. Yeah, it's already there. Like uh, Netflix has a, a place where it says what to watch next. Exactly. So what they do there is they look at what you've, your uh, watch history. Yeah. They've seen what you've watched earlier. Mm-hmm. They see the genre. Mm-hmm. They see like what you like watching. Mm-hmm. Or like let's say an, there's an actor. Yeah. You keep on watching his movies. If exactly. there's another movie they right. have that yeah. you haven't watched, right. Right. you put that in what to watch next. So they can basically look at the data of what you have viewed. And based on that data, they can predict what you're going to v- likely going to want to view next. Yeah. So, and based on that prediction, they present some choices, narrowed down set of choices to you, and you pick, oh, and you wonder, how did it figure out? <laughs> that I wanted to watch this movie. <laughs> Same thing with Amazon. Like, it looks at what you've already, uh, like, let's say it's seen you've really want you've been browsing for, let's say, a... A drone for a really long time, yeah. and then it sees that oh, you haven't seen this drone yet. What to buy next? Exactly, and then so it shows you that. that this is a, a a product that you may be interested in, right? So it can do all of that because the data of your buying history, of your viewing history, is available to uh, these services, and then and 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 these services have built some mathematical models which represent. Uh, your uh, your buying behavior or present your viewing behavior, and based on those mathematical models, it can those services can predict what you're going to do next. So I think that in the immediate future there'll be more and more applications of these sorts of predicting, uh, you know, uh, technology in lots of places in our everyday lives. Businesses will find places to use predictions. You know. Uh, uh, people, even students like you, you might be able to, you know, very easily use pre-trained models to and apply them to make predictions. Like, for example, uh, you know, nowadays everything is in open source. You know, that's like a very new topic in, in computer science. Where, yeah, so as I was saying, you know, so as a student, uh, you could find newer domains, newer areas where you could apply artificial intelligence techniques. So, for example, um, you browse the net, you go to these, uh, you know, Google model zoos where, you know, Google is publishing many uh, interesting examples of, you know, models that they have trained on certain open data sets. And you could take those data sets, you could take those models, and you could then try and apply those models onto other different problems, interesting problems that are relevant to you as a student. Um, you could also participate in uh, competitions where people are uh, sharing some data sets online. And like there's a forum called Kaggle. It's an online competition board where you could uh, you know, take, uh, if you think that you have some uh, you know, some artificial intelligence uh, models that you have been developing, uh, you could apply those techniques on the data sets and the problem that somebody has posed, and you could come up with a, a way to solve the problem with your, your, uh, your artificial your intelligence coding, method. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So those are things that... Those, are th- those would help. I mean, uh, first they would get interested in artificial intelligence, then mm-hmm. making their own methods at such a young age, yeah. that would... Uh, like, that would improve, like, that would make sure that artificial intelligence would grow so much faster. Absolutely. If all the generations can be working yeah, at once. I mean, there's so many places, no, so many things that you can do about it. I mean, 
not everybody has to be a mathematician or yeah. a computer scientist to be able to apply, you know, artificial intelligence techniques. Uh, you know, just having uh, the power to, uh, you know, understand that this is a problem that could be solved very easily with artificial intelligence, that I think is the first need. Uh, you have to understand what artificial intelligence is capable of today and what it is not capable of so that you don't, you know, buy into the hype uh, and you understand exactly the limitations of artificial intelligence and then you find a problem area which is suitable for applying artificial intelligence and then, you know, try to find techniques and methods where you could reuse, uh, you know, models trained by others and apply it to that domain. Yeah. So, as humans, should we be worried about AI? Should we be worried the machine may get smarter than us? <laughs> Again, you know, I am worried about artificial intelligence. Uh, I think you should be worried about artificial <laughs> intelligence. But, you know, like it's, it's like being worried about uh, getting burned by fire. And of course, yeah. you should be worried about getting burned by fire because it's hot and you do get burned by fire. Yeah. And, you know, and in my work every day, I realize that, you know, there are... I'm being subjected to artificial intelligence, uh, you know, automated processes, which are evaluating how good I am at my work. Yeah, so <laughs> instead of you evaluating artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence is evaluating you. Yeah, yeah, and that's happening around me every day, I know. And, and you know... Uh, it's scary. It is scary. And even the best of humans, like, for example, if you hear what the Jeopardy champion had to say after he lost the game <laughs> to <laughs> IBM. He said, like, you know, these are our new masters. But that is not true. I don't feel that is true. You know, like with every new technology, you have to figure out how to harness its power, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, fire can burn us, but we have figured out how to control it. it. Yeah, and how to use it. And that's like such a fundamental thing, right? If you let it go out of control, it can burn everything around you. <laughs> but at the same time, if you know how to control it, it can do amazing things, it, right? It, it can do amazing things. And it's, it's so, I mean, you can, technically you can be scared of anything that's new. But yeah. as long as you uh, are educated enough to know how to use it, exactly. then uh, that's good. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like fire. So if you don't know how to use fire, obviously you're going to get burned by it. Yeah, it's going to yeah. hurt. But if you know how to use fire, you can use it in so many different ways. Yeah. And yeah, while being scared, you can also be responsible and be educated and yeah, you can use exactly. it to your advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So final question. As a technologist, we have the right to be skeptics too. What do you think is the real threat to artificial intelligence? Are there things that can make artificial intelligence fail or not succeed? Yeah, okay, uh, again, very good question. So I think, um, you know, like every new technology, and artificial intelligence also as well, uh, it starts the grand promise, you know, and, and then um, there are uh, ebbs and flows. Uh, and again, if you look back at uh, what I was talking in the beginning of the podcast, you, you, you know, um, back in like uh, in, the 60, in the 1950s or 60s when computers were first uh, getting built, Again, the promise was that we would create something like HAL in that science fiction movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah. If you haven't watched the movie, I'll strongly recommend that you do. <laughs> it is still relevant today, even though it was made like 50 years ago. That really? Movie. Yeah. You should watch it. It's an awesome movie. Uh, and uh, so in that movie, uh, they built a, a very smart, super intelligent computer called HAL. At the end of it, it goes awry, and it just try, <laughs> tries to defeat its masters. Um, but... You know, I don't think that 
even after 50 years that movie was made, we're still uh, there yet in terms of what artificial intelligence can do. And I, fe I feel that's where artificial intelligence has its, um, its follies. I mean, uh, that's where things can go awry. Because uh, uh, if you start expecting too much from artificial intelligence, uh, chances are you'll fail. And, and, yeah. and that would get you discouraged and you know, you'd stop from trying other things to artificial intelligence, right? Yeah, I mean, um, there's obviously people that think... I mean, everyone has their different views on AI, mm -hmm. but some people think it's much farther than the people who are actually working today. That's right. Like, um, when you think about it, the people that are working on artificial intelligence know how far away we are from... Like, we're obviously... We're getting closer, but we're still pretty far away at this point right. from where the mo what the movies are showing. Mm -hmm. But just those uh, people that watch the movies... Uh, they would think we're much closer because they've been seeing it so often right. that artificial intelligence and humanoids and now mm. they're taking over the world. Yeah, that's scary at the same time, but it's not true. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is it's not fiction. true. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if we can get that close uh, with artificial intelligence, we can obviously find a way to make it safer. True. Again, uh, another example that comes to mind is uh, you know, driverless cars, right? Yeah. Uh, I think there is a hype. Is over. Is we are expecting too much from driverless cars right now. Although you know we have seen videos where we've seen like big trucks, you know, uh, driving the, by themselves with nobody touching the field. But you know, the the general problem of driving on any road. Uh, under any you know um, weather condition, um, that's a very very difficult problem. Yeah. And I don't think that we will in the immediate future find a solution for that. But that doesn't mean that we can find solutions which are effective in for smaller problems, so which are constrained in some ways. Like for example, you you have a well known route. Okay. Like it takes you from point A to point B. And, uh, you know, we know what the conditions are to a certain extent in that route. Um, like, for example, uh, you know, we're trying... And, and, and the implications of going completely driverless in that route, the, the effect to general society is not so severe. Like, for example, yeah. if somebody wouldn't die if, if uh, you know, artificial intelligence uh, driverless car were to make a mistake, you know, I think in those smaller problems artificial intelligence techniques can succeed and yeah. we should try to find those smaller scoped problems yeah i'm gonna yeah i agree i mean uh this is it's not making a severe effect on the society as of now yeah i mean it, it's not a um uh, like uh, it's not going to change society overnight yeah and it's also not going to render us jobless or, you know, under yeah. the control of rogue computers. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, it's, it's got a great promise. We have to find, like, you know, small baby steps that we can take to, to make it successful. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Indajit, for your insights. It's not every day where, that you get to sit with an AI expert and have a discussion on this topic. I'm... On behalf of my audience, I must thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed being on this podcast as much as I enjoyed having you. Yeah, thank you so much, Nila. It was great fun talking to you about artificial intelligence. And again, uh, you know, I feel a little uh, um, worried that you feel that I am an expert in AI. <laughs> I am not. I'm, I know so only so little, you know. <laughs> and we think we should. I, I think we should all feel like we are at the cusp of a very big. 
uh, you know, new technology uh, that can uh, help us all. And uh, we should try to learn more. We should all try to learn more yeah, as I'm I trying to do. <laughs> I encourage my uh, audience to try to go out and learn more about artificial intelligence. Learn how it's making a difference every single day in our society. So with that, that's your Dear Future signing off and have a great day. Okay, great. Welcome back to another episode of Navigate the Future with Nalay Mishra. Today's going to be a heat-packed episode, literally. Today I'll be talking about the origin of summer break, what the term summer slide means, and we have a special guest interview. We're topping our podcast with a quiz at the end, and you guessed it, right listeners, there's a special prize, a Google Home Mini. Stay tuned.